Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Hockey PDO Cast is brought to you by Get Down BP, which brings people together with the goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me on the other line is my good buddy Arda Ocal. Arda, what's going on, man? I'm doing really good, and I have to say that I'm really excited to be on the Hockey PDO Cast, which has been regressing to the mean since 2015. And I've probably been listening about as long uh, because I'm a big fan of the podcast, but I've been really concerned leading up to this interview, Dimitri, because, or this conversation, I should say, because I have no idea how I'm going to follow the likes of the Andrew Berkshires and the Tyler Dellos and the Uncle Jeff Merricks of the world. So I think, I've been stressing, I'll be honest. I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. Honestly. <laughs> just, and, and definitely don't view it as an interview, view it as a conversation between two pals. Don't worry about it. It'll, it'll be good. I know uh, you're not necessarily a huge you know analytics guy by any means or anything like that, but you definitely follow along. And I mean, you listen to this podcast and I know you constantly reach out and ask questions. So just the fact that you're exhibiting that type of curiosity tells me a lot about your, uh, your interest in, in the product. So that's a good start, if anything. An emerging hockey analytics guy, I guess, is the best way to put it. There <laughs> we go. There we're, 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 through my journey, it's coming. It's coming. Mm. All right. So let's... Um, I haven't introduced you yet, really. I, I, I hope most of my listeners know of you, but what, what, what's your... Um, What's your official title? Because I know you have, you're a man of, uh, wears many different hats. I feel like you, you do all sorts of things. Yeah. So right now uh, I work for MSG Networks. Uh, I host a program called the MSG Hockey Show. It basically is like a post-game, post-game show. Uh, the MSG has the rights to the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, and Sabres. So basically our show, uh, which is live usually after Rangers or Devils games, uh, it'll air uh after all of the post-game shows for the other properties as well. Uh, and it basically covers the league. It's more like the lighter side of hockey kind of thing and uh, anything that's happening around the league. And also, uh, I host a podcast for the Devils uh, called the All Access Podcast uh, with Amanda Stein, who is their uh, new All Access host this this season. Mm. And uh, that's every week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, we bring in people top to bottom in the organization and talk to them. Uh, and I appear on some broadcasts. So that's where the analytics part comes in is uh, for the second season, uh, I've, I've joined the Devil's Broadcasts on TV. Uh, and uh, I, I'm basically... Uh, hitting the ground running, uh, bringing analytics to the to the broadcast, which they previously didn't have much of. Yeah, I was gonna say I was tuning into a to a Devils broadcast the other day. I forget who they were playing, and lo and behold, I'm watching it on my uh, on my laptop on my Game Center app, and all of a sudden, I see you you, you pop up, and you're some dropping some knowledge. So that was pretty cool. See. <laughs> exactly which i probably obtained from you so thanks <laughs> oh well, i i didn't hear my name mentioned on there so you didn't give me a shout out or anything so i don't know about that i have i have told them uh in, in all fairness actually i have told them to check your tweets uh so that they can post them up whenever a good one comes up oh god that's the worst thing you could have done don't i don't want any, i don't want i don't want anyone checking out my tweets they're horrible <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> especially the ones that blow up i love it i love seeing that's hilarious um all right, so let's let's talk a bit about um, the Devils, since you've obviously been following them much more closely this year. What's the general vibe around the team? And I'm and I'm speaking both 
internally since i'm sure you talk to to people who are actually working with the team and the players but also it's fans because you obviously now that you're in the broadcast i'm sure that especially on twitter you interact with them on a more regular basis so like like, what like how are people feeling about this team because obviously it's a great story so far i don't think anyone expected this type of success early in the year but you sort of always also have to kind of manage those expectations still and you don't want to get carried away and wind up you know trying to speed up the process too much or getting getting carried away with how good you think this team actually is so are, are people just kind of taking it for what it's worth or are people letting their imaginations run a little wild I think it's a little bit of both, really. Uh, I think that uh, internally, there's certainly a tempering of expectations. There's optimism on both ends, whether it's in the organization or whether it's the fan base. Certainly, there's optimism. Uh, and, and it's come as a pleasant surprise. I mean, when going all the way back to when the Devils got the first overall pick... Uh, and they picked Nico Hishier. I mean, that's where the excitement really started. It really felt like the reset button was pressed on the organization after several years of missing the playoffs and futility, uh, you know, at the Prudential Center. It was finally like, okay, we can exhale now. And this is the beginning of a new era. Uh, with the New Jersey Devils team. So uh, when they they won their first three games uh, and then they went on like three separate three-game winning streaks to begin the season, uh, that you really started to feel that optimism, that positivity flowing in the arena uh, because uh, the team was doing so well. And all the young players uh, were such a pleasant surprise. I mean, all of them hit the ground running. All of them contributed early and often, and they still are. You know, the likes of Nico Hishier, Jesper Bratt, uh, and, and Will Butcher, uh, they're contributing to this team in different ways, uh, which is very good to see. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's all kind of come together. We're, what, 40% of the way through the year now, and they're sitting third in the Eastern Conference. They're just two points behind the Capitals with two games in hand for the Metro Division lead. And obviously, especially considering how... uh prestigious and hotly contested that division in particular is that's a pretty remarkable testament to the wins they've been piling up and banking here um yeah it's tough because you know as uh as an analytics guy it kind of i feel obligated to point out when you know people are getting a bit carried away and and when when there's flaws in a team or a player's game and obviously the the devil's profile this season is a bit weird because while they've been racking up all these wins, the underlying shot metrics in particular don't necessarily uh, reflect that glowingly upon them. But then, you know, you dig a little deeper and you sort of find that there's certain things going on in the numbers that, you know, make you think about how much is actually a concerted effort on their part based on the system they're playing and how much of it is just one of those things where it's, you know, still only 30 or so games into the season. And by the end of the year, we'll, we'll kind of regret pumping them up too much because they'll come back down to earth. Well, there, as anybody listening to this podcast would know, uh, the Devils have a more favorable PDO at the moment. But really, uh, their puck possession is low, right? Their, their Corsi percentage is, is, is really low, uh, at one of the lowest in the league. And that's consistent across every game that they play. I mean, there's only a handful of games this season or even periods where they've had a higher than 50% uh, puck possession. So, right. I mean, that's a thing. I mean, yeah, you look for the full season, they're, you know, the 28th in shot attempts, uh, 25th in unblocked shot attempts, 30th in shots on goal. Like, it's, it obviously doesn't, um, just by looking at that, look like a team that should be winning as many games as they are. Uh, and then a, a big part of it is the fact that, you know, they're fifth in, in shooting percentage, and that obviously helps. Uh, they're 15th in, in save percentage, and obviously Corey Schneider uh, returning back to form after that weird season last year for him uh, helps a lot. But, you know, you also watch these games and it's, it's tough to balance and, and wonder how much of it is real and how much is not because it's pretty clear it at least is a bit of a concerted effort on the part of John Hines, their coaching staff, to play a certain way, right? Like, it looks like they're prioritizing the counterattack game quite a bit and playing off the rush and utilizing all the speed they have, particularly up front. And it looks like when they are in the offensive zone, um, they're trying to get around the net as much as possible and maybe wait for some better looks as opposed to just firing the puck on net. Now I should say that every year it feels like we have a couple of these teams that we say the same things about. And then eventually the the numbers game catches up to them. So that's why I'm kind of tempering my expectations here and kind of trying to tread lightly. Cause I don't want to talk too glowingly about them, but at the same time, there clearly is something else going on here. It's a bit deeper. Well, you're right about the shot attempts, because if you look at the heat maps, that's one of the things that I've been incorporating in the broadcasts. Thanks to our friends at Natural Statric, who do a great job with the mm-hmm. heat maps. I bring them in and you can see uh, a typical devil's win. Most of the concentrated dark red is right around the crease. 
Uh, and that's the majority of where their shot attempts are coming from. And oftentimes there's not much else read in the offensive zone. No shots from the point. You know, there's a little bit, a smattering, but really it's a deep circle right around the crease uh, is where, it, and, and when that happens, when they are able to concentrate their shots like that, uh, that typically translates to at least a winning period or a winning game. Mm, yeah. And, you know, speaking on utilizing that speed and playing more of a rush game, I mean, the reason why I remember back in the preseason and in the start of the year, I uh, I did the watchability rankings with my pal Craig Custance, and I had the Devils. His book is awesome, by the way. I'm I'm going through it right now. Oh, it's tremendous. It, it's uh, it's wonderful. Like his stories are great. I love the story with Bilesman and Ray Shiro. I want to bring it up to Ray Shiro, where Bilesman's like, "So can I get a bonus if I win the cup too?" <laughs> oh, what a great. I mean, it's, it's such a great nugget of just. It's great. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, no, the book's tremendous. I definitely highly recommend checking it out and checking out the podcast I did with Craig, where we uh, did a little bit deep dive on it but you know when we did our watchability rankings together at the start of the year um i'd already had the benefit of seeing the devils play a few times so i based my opinion off of that but also part of the rationale for having them you know i think i had them like i'd say 20th or 21st in the league which you know doesn't sound necessarily all that great or optimistic but based on where they've been in past years and sort of general belief about the style of game they play i think that was people were surprised at how optimistic i was about them and part of the rationale there was I remember at the start of last year, they definitely seemed to be prioritizing playing a faster, more up-tempo, back-and-forth brand of hockey. And then, you know, Taylor Hall got injured, uh, Corey Schneider was really struggling, and all of a sudden it felt like John Hines sort of just as a way of survival uh, devolved back into slowing the game down and trying to grind it out so they wouldn't be become exposed too much. And I was hoping that with better health this year, maybe they'd get back to playing that type of a way. And so far, so good. So I, I feel a bit vindicated based on the fact that you know, even if you're not necessarily certain how good this team is or whether they'll keep getting wins in bunches like this, at the very least, they've become very watchable, which is a big step from where they've been in past years. And not only that, but they have had a little bit of uh, the injury bug on key players, right? I mean, Kyle Palmieri's been out for stretches of time with a broken foot. You had Marcus Johansson in the whole concussion situation. Travis Zajac was gone. He was supposed to be out for four to six months, and he came back much sooner than that. Mirko Mueller. I mean, they, they, they have uh, some key players that you really thought would be big contributors going into the season uh, going down to injury, and that really showed that the Devils, uh, in fact, particularly on offense, uh, ha- had a lot of depth, uh, which certainly led to the the Vatnin Henrik trade because the de- the organization felt that they had enough depth, particularly with the youth movement at forward, to be able to pull off a trade like that and be able to land a guy like Vatnin. Mm. Yeah, well, Vatnin certainly, um, you know, there's divisive opinions based on how good he actually is and whether. Um, an, an added role where he'd get more opportunity playing with a uh, fewer talented defensemen like he was in, in Anaheim, then maybe he could kind of spread his wings a little bit and show that he has more to his game than just being uh, kind of a power play specialist. And the thing that I like is while his performance so far has been up and down and mostly down, I'd say for the devils, at least he sort of profiles as the type of guy that can move the puck and play a bit faster. And, you know, one stat I, I like to look at in particular is, um, you know, just just a regular shots for and against combined as sort of a proxy for pace and how fast teams are playing at five on five. And the Devils this year are twenty second, which doesn't sound that great, but they've been thirtieth in the league every year since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So the fact that there there's teams that are playing slower than them this season is is huge in my books. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. And Vatnin also, I mean, you go back to, of course, the quality of uh, players that you're playing with, with the Ducks and their loaded uh, d- defense core and Vatnin having the benefit of playing with these defense pairings. Uh, he had three consecutive seasons with greater than 50% puck possession. And I really felt like uh, other than this season and last season, I really felt like that might have been one big reason to 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 bring Vatnin to Jersey is to help with that possession. Because uh, as we know, the Devils are among the worst in the league. Like we we just said in puck possession that's not the game that they play and uh their shooting percentage is extremely high they have two players that are above 20 like brian gibbons is a perfect example of this right (laughs) the biggest surprise on the roster is brian gibbons and one of the biggest reason he's been scoring so many goals is well first of all he's putting himself and his teammates are giving him the puck in high scoring situations and he said that uh, when we interviewed him for the all access podcast he said i'm finding myself in high 
scoring opportunities and high percentage scoring opportunities. He's shooting at t- over 26% right now. Right. But Arna, don't you, do, do you think like, obviously I think even Brian Gibbons, if you gave him some truth serum would acknowledge that a certain amount of puck luck is coming into that as well, right? Like it's one of those things where when you talk to these players, uh, none of them are going to really acknowledge like, Hey, like what, what do you, what are you, what are you or your teammates doing right here? Why are you, are you having so much success? And Brian Gibbons would never come back to you and say, man, I don't know. I've been getting super lucky. I've just been closing my eyes and firing the puck and it's been going in and I hope it continues. Like they never say that. It always, <laughs> it always seems like sort of this like hindsight explanation for why it's happening. And obviously like, listen, it's, it's a great story so far, but I, I personally actually get, get kind of annoyed by it because whenever I if I'm writing something or I'm looking at the most prolific scorers in the league it's always like all the usual suspects and then it's Brian Gibbons name near the top and I know that as soon as I put it out put a chart out there with it someone's gonna go wow this stat is stupid look Brian Gibbons is the top how good could it be so he's like really just throwing everything for a loop in my mind well, if you ask John Hines, he's he'll be the first to say that uh, Brian Gibbons, this may be the first year uh, in his professional hockey career where he's been able to get these sort of opportunities. Like they know each other from uh, the, the Penguins organization. And uh, this may be one of the first times, at, at definitely at the NHL level, where Gibbons has been given these sort of opportunities uh, to show himself. Uh, but I will say this too, Dimitri, uh, Brian Boyle is also shooting at above 20%, so, but he's also six foot a million. So... You can you can go ahead and tell him that uh, or, or call him on it. And, I, I won't be doing that. Well, also based on what he's gone through off the ice this season, I feel like uh, getting some on ice luck is uh, is in the books. I'm, I'm I'm all for Brian Boyle continuing to shoot well over twenty percent for the absolutely. rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's take a quick little break here to uh, hear from a sponsor, and we'll pick up this conversation on the other end of things. If you've been tuning into Hockey Central the past couple Fridays, just prior to the start of that night's games, you would have seen a couple of things. You would have seen myself and friend of the podcast, Jeff Merrick, having a casual conversation like any two best buds would. And you'd also see that I'm sporting a new look since the last time you might have seen me on TV. Um, I've got ridden that trademark beard and I'm sporting a more well-kept, cleaner look. And that transition has been made possible by the fine folks over at Harry's Razors. They've been sending me fresh blades directly to my doorstep, assuring that whenever I get the call and need to look my best, I can do so without the hassle of dealing with razor burn, unbecoming nicks and cuts, or any of the less fun stuff that comes along with a fresh shave. And Harry's is so confident that you'll share a similarly positive experience to mine that they'll let you take a spin for free by sending you their trial shave set on the house when you sign up at harrys.com slash PDO. All you have to do is pay a couple bucks for the shipping fees and you'll get the following. A weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. And if you happen to be the type of person that's already taken advantage of this deal and loved it, you can take your relationship with Harry's to the next level over this holiday season by checking out the special edition holiday sets they've just released, which make for great gifts to someone in your life or even yourself if you like to pamper yourself. To get your free trial shave set or to browse holiday gifts, just go to harrys.com slash PDO right now. That's harrys.com slash PDO. Now, let's get back to the show. All right. Um, Arda... What else is there to talk about this team with, really? I mean, like, I, we haven't really talked much about Corey Schneider yet. I think he's a fascinating name to discuss because he obviously, you know, it was like him and Henrik Lundqvist as the gold standards of just consistency at a position that is so volatile. I mean, you know, some of it was obviously as a backup in Vancouver where he wasn't uh, shouldering the brunt of the starts, but he had six straight seasons and that was roughly 250 starts or so where he was in that 920 to 925 save percentage range and had really just become kind of a lock for that. And then all of a sudden last year, he takes a big nosedive and he's dealing with some lower body injuries and, um, you know, just he's playing in a, at, a, at a level that we hadn't come to expect from him. And it was really jarring. And there was a lot of questions about whether he was on the way down or whether it was just a blip on the radar. And this year he appears to have righted the form. And honestly, I think this is the year that people were pointing to uh, because the last uh, when you look at it, the last five years have really been uh, disappointing for the Devils, not making the playoffs since that uh, 2012 Stanley Cup run and uh, just being a a team of futility for those years. And when we come into this year, Corey Schneider uh, was coming off uh, what you could call the worst season of his career on the ice. And you could tell, I mean, when you when you talk to him in the locker room and and when you hear him speak, it just felt like he was buying into the whole uh, reset of this organization. And he was going to be among the people to lead the charge because he's been here and he's 
He's seen the downs and now he's ready to make the playoffs with this team. Now he's ready to be a part of a, a, a winning franchise in New Jersey. And his numbers are, I mean, look, he's <laughs> when you look at his numbers, 2.6 goals against average, he's 14 wins and six losses. Right. So yeah. at the end of the day, the 14 wins is what matters the most. And, and, and that speaks more to the way that the Devils play uh, than, you know, he's facing a lot of shots. He is. But he's saving a lot of shots. Yes. And that's the thing. So they're really relying on him between the pipes. But he's delivering at least at this ju- juncture in the season. Are there, haven't you listened? Haven't I talked and taught you enough? And haven't you listened to enough episodes of the show to know not to cite goals against average? I mean, what are you, 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 what are you doing here to me? It's a journey. It's a journey, Dimitri. Okay, I'm I'm going through you. I listen. I put together my list of the best right-handed defensemen. My top fifty. I thought that's what we were doing. Mm, yes, that's well. That's a ne- <laughs> that's that's the next show. We're gonna do that yes, on uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That'd be a very, uh, very hockey PDO cast thing to do. Very niche. So, what would you say? What would you say regarding Corey Schneider? I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, obviously, his play so far is encouraging, especially the fact that he went on on the injured reserve earlier in the year, and it sort of made you think that you know, wow, this could be a recurring thing. All of a sudden, they could really be in trouble here. So, the fact that he's come back, he's shown he's healthy, he's stopping the pucks at a nine twenty rate again, which is his career norm, is huge to see. I still think that you know. It's tough because on the one hand, I empathize with GMs and and players, as you mentioned, this sort of journey he's been through in New Jersey and all the losing and how now finally the team is playing better. Um, I'm sure he's relishing in it quite a bit. And, you know, he's meant a lot to this organization since getting traded for a first round pick and, and arriving there. But at the same time, you do have to kind of take a step back and view it from a more critical business like approach. And I mean, you know, he's 31 right now. He's turning 32 in the spring. He's still got four more years left on his deal at, at six million a season. And as good as the Devils have looked so far in the win loss column, I still think that, you know, they should be viewing this as part of a step in the process and not necessarily viewing it as a finished product. And I wonder, you know, with Corey Schneider's age and contract length, does he fit into those plans? Like by the time they're actually ready to turn the corner and be legitimately good and be competing for Stanley Cups, what age is he going to be at? What What's his performance going to be like? So I wonder if he makes more sense as a trade chip, but obviously that's a tough thing to do right now in season. So I think if you're, if you're the devil's management, you're sort of riding it out this season. You're hoping he stays healthy. He keeps performing at this level and you go on a little bit of a run this season. And then maybe this summer you reevaluate and you see if, you know, his stock is risen and if he's a valuable trade trip that someone will pay a premium for. So that's what I would do personally with him. You know how I know that you're a member of the Canadian media, Dimitri, you're calling for trades as soon as possible. Hashtag Eric Carlson. <laughs> I mean, listen, it would certainly make my life easier if he got traded. So I had something to talk about. But um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure how he'd personally feel about that. But, you know, I mean, I think as long as he keeps playing well and keeps showing that he's healthy, like only good things can come of it from the Devils, whether he's still in the team or not in the years to come. So um, it's been an encouraging sign to see. And I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. The funny thing is, is, I mean, we just uh, the Devils just went through uh, a, a major trade uh, in Henrique and Vatnin, and it's been interesting to see how Henrique has uh, acted after this trade. I mean, he has been really uh, a heart and soul player for the Devils, and you know, you see him on Snapchat following the like he posted something like a week ago where he was like following the Devils game. He's like hashtag checking in on the boys, mm. and when he was uh, he had his big return to the Prudential Center on Monday night uh, uh, when the Ducks were in town. And after the game, uh, there was this whole uh, funny thing on social media that him and Keith Kincaid did where uh, Kincaid at the start of last season uh, put out a contest on social media on Twitter saying, hey, I want a new pad design. Uh, Can you guys help me out? And Adam Henrique's design idea was to put Steven Gianta in the the pad like a pads of seduction, like a George Costanza pose. Uh, so he's like, why don't you put this on the pads? I think this is a great idea. So finally, things came full circle after the game. There was a giant package waiting for Adam Henrique outside the locker room and he opened it only to find the actual completed pads of seduction. Uh, and Keith Kincaid waiting with it. Uh, so I'm glad we're we're all very glad that the pads were finally created. 
is what I'm getting at. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously, Henrik, uh, anyone that follows him on social media is a pretty good character. And uh, he certainly had his a little little bit of a revenge game uh, in that game you were mentioning, scoring what arguably could be one of the goals of the year. I mean, especially doing it against Vaden and himself one-on-one was, uh, I imagine, um, I imagine he enjoyed that a little bit. And, and the funny thing is, is that the Prudential Center crowd enjoyed it, too. It was like the perfect game for the New Jersey Devils fan base because they got to see their old favorite player in Adam Henrique score this highlight reel goal. That is like, yeah, the goal of the year for sure. It's unbelievable. The alley-oop to himself and then this, uh, beats Schneider backhand top shelf. And then the Devils end up winning the game. So it's like they get they get every they had their cake and, and ate, ate it, too. Yeah. On, on that Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. So let's, let's talk a bit about Taylor Hall. Um, because I mean, obviously the fact that you sort of, you came into this gig and now you started following the devils, um, during the years where he's here and still at his prime is, uh, it's pretty fortunate on your part. Cause I, if I was coming up with a list of guys that I enjoy watching play, um, he'd be right up there near the top of it. And I thought it was Brian Gibbons. Well, Brian Gibbons number one, and then Taylor Hall number two, obviously. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. Just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Um, and and the thing I also really like about Taylor Hall is, you know, he's been pretty open with the media, and he seems to sort of not take himself too seriously, and he's having a bit of fun with it. And you know, sometimes that comes back to bite him. I, I, I wonder how much of it is the fact that he's not playing in Edmonton anymore, and now he's playing New Jersey, so maybe he has a bit more freedom. But I, I remember last year he, or maybe it was in the off season, when he was talking about how it hurt to watch the Oilers finally play in the playoffs after all he'd been through with them. And you know, this year he was talking about the Edmonton media and how it can affect your confidence and stuff like that. And I always, I always enjoy when players are a bit more open and willing to talk with the media i understand it sometimes gets them in trouble but i mean it's just it's just showing that kind of personality and actually acting like a human rather than a robot that just you know spinning out cliches is always a, a refreshing thing in my opinion how interesting it is that taylor hall last season said he uh, had to watch his former team play in the playoffs while he sat in the sidelines and this season it could be the opposite mm. And nobody would have predicted that, by the way. Let's be honest about that. Yes. Uh, particularly with the Oilers. But uh, this is one interesting uh, quote from Taylor Hall uh, that, that has really stuck with me this season. There's a lot of like camaraderie in this locker room. They, they, they went to uh, West Point Academy, which is a military academy about 50 miles north of Prudential Center in New York State before the season started. It's very common for sports teams to go and do things, like, um, especially at West Point in, in this area. I'm, I'm sure, if not all the sports teams, many of them have gone to West Point uh, just to hear from you know the cadets that are there and, and inspirational stories and team building exercises like they do obstacle courses it just it all looks like a lot of fun hmm. and they get to bond right. uh, but the, the the key thing that john hines and the leadership staff with the devils has really been pushing is they are building a brotherhood not a neighborhood and everybody buys into the uh, overall success of the team and consistency is key and when Something goes wrong. Uh, the team, uh, the uh, the coaching staff addresses it. Uh, they either they a player becomes a healthy scratch or they have a meeting with the veterans to pass on the information. But usually that communication is well received and corrections are made. And it usually happens. There's only one time this season the Devils have gone a two game span without picking up any points. And really, it's because that communication is flowing very well and changes are being able to be made on the fly. Now, with Taylor Hall, one thing that I find very interesting is uh, he basically said that I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that last season he felt like a hockey player playing in New Jersey, whereas this season he feels like a New Jersey Devils hockey player. Mm. And I feel like he's among those players that are really even though he's still young in his career, approaching his prime, if not in his prime, he's he's still he's one of those players that uh, people will look to for leadership and uh, to lead the charge. And he's certainly done that. Yeah. I mean, that discussion about, uh, you know, team building and culture and all the stuff in the room is always uh, a fascinating one to me because it's the ultimate sort of it's the sports equivalent of the chicken or the egg. Right. Because it's like on the one hand, um, I imagine that enjoying, uh, you know, who you're playing with and who you're around on a daily basis, just like any job would make your life better. And you'd probably perform better at your, at your, whatever your job is at the same time. Um, 
winning kind of cures all right and it's like it's much easier to be invested and be all in and be a team for his guy when you're you know relevant and competitive and you're constantly playing in these fun games as opposed to when you're headed for another lottery finish and playing meaningless games that no one is watching so it's it's kind of tough about to know sort of how to weigh those things and which one comes first and which one's more important like you sort of need a requisite baseline level of talent and then you also need some of that other stuff as well and hopefully if you get a nice marriage of those two you're gonna have a successful winning product and and you could I mean listen at the end of the day even if they didn't go do this bonding trip maybe they would still be winning and maybe they'd still have the season they had but you could say that it certainly contributed to the mood in the locker room and you could certainly say that it contributed to uh, the players' mindset at the beginning of the season where they won they had three straight uh, three game winning streaks mm. I mean that's that I, you could make a you could make a correlation there and some of those players have made that correlation in fact their uh, locker room award. Uh, is a uh, camo jacket from West Point. And uh, they don't give it to the best player. They give it to the player that uh, stuck up for their teammates. It's a little bit different of an award. It's not like, hey, you were the best player. Here's the hard hat. It's more, uh, you blocked this shot at a pivotal point in the game or you finished your check here and it was very important and we noticed, so here's the jacket kind of thing. Right. I mean, if they were giving it to their best player in the game, I I imagine they'd all get sick of just seeing (laughs) Taylor Hall wearing it, so... (laughs) <laughs> he's been hasn't he, he i mean look he's he's he we were talking about highlight real goals i mean he whenever he has the puck it's almost uh, one incredible uh move that he does a game at least like he's just terrific with the puck and he's a joy to watch and and he really uh, often makes d- uh, defensemen look foolish uh, which is a lot of fun to watch yeah he's remarkable i mean that that goal he scored the other night against the kings where he basically simultaneously embarrassed drew dowdy jake muzzin and jonathan quick in one quick little move it was like yeah that's very few people on planet earth could do that and just the speed that he enters the zone with and sort of how he plays and how he maneuvers through the neutral zone and and i i just i love it i mean he's like the prototypical um sort of north south player that just constantly pushes the possession and is is remarkably fun to watch and i uh yeah, I, it's bizarre to me whenever people watch him and blame him for not doing enough or for being the reason why the team is struggling. Like, it, I feel like if your team had more Taylor Halls, you'd probably be doing better. I agree. And, and and also the fact that he's playing so well. I mean, for, for the majority of this season, he's been on a line with Nico Hishier and Jesper Brett, mm. who are both rookies right. uh, who haven't played in this league. So uh, for him to be able to improve their situation, being one of those players, you know, the John Tavares type where he, w- 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 the players that he's playing with are elevated because he is on their line. You can certainly see that there. Right. And I wanted to give Hishier a bit of love, too, because obviously, I mean, if you look at just his superficial counting stats, um, they're not necessarily all that impressive, you know, especially he's not scoring a ton of goals. But uh, you look a bit deeper and, and you, you just watch him play and it, it makes sense. I mean, he's one of the league leaders, if not still the league leader in penalties drawn and, and penalty differential and kind of makes sense with the way he plays and how difficult he is to to defend that. You know, defensemen are constantly trying to having to take him down and hook him just to slow him down a little bit. And, you know, he's generating a ton of chances. And I, I believe that while his shooting percentage is a bit lower now, which is ironic considering he's one of the few guys on this team who's underperforming in that regard, um, he hasn't really shown us any reason to this point to believe that he's going to be one of those guys for the rest of his career. So hopefully if that regresses a bit and he gets a bit better luck, he'll, the goals and the points will start coming and then maybe people will start talking about it a bit more, right? Because it feels like it's weird to say for... Uh, a guy who just went first overall in the entry draft, but he's definitely getting overshadowed by the seasons guys like Brock Besser and Matthew Barzal are having. And and obviously those guys have the benefit of being older from different draft classes, but it feels like his year is flying under the radar a little bit. And that's not a fault of his own because he's been really good, just maybe in more subtle ways. Yeah. In fact, uh, a funny story to come out of, we did a MSG hockey show from Prudential Center and uh, one of our guests was going to be uh, Ken Danico, Mr. Devil. He's obviously one of our color guys uh, for on television. And uh, before he came on the air, he got a text message uh, from a number he didn't recognize. And it said <laughs> the text message said, hey, Dano, please tell that number 13. I love watching him play. It's an absolute joy. Uh, the Devils played the Oilers that night. Mm-hmm. And Dano says... Uh, Dano responds like he's he's showing me this text message and he's like, I don't know who this is. I should find out. He said, um, I will do that. But can you tell me who this is? And the response came 99. Wow, that's pretty high <laughs> praise. 
Yeah, not um, only yeah, not only. Uh, and my first question was, why don't you have Gretzky's number in your phone? <laughs> I, I mean, I have so many questions, and one of them is, I can't believe that Candanico texts. That's amazing. I would have. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, does he does he have like a, does he have a smartphone? Is he like I, I I figure he'd have one of those like old school brick phones that we used to have, and like. He's on Twitter. He's on Twitter. But, you know, as part of the reboot, uh, we also made sure Mr. Devil uh, sent text messages. That's that's part of the season reboot. Oh, my God. I, I, I love Ken. <laughs> Honestly, um, you need you, you need to tell him that. I know, I know that, you know, you interact with him quite a bit and you uh, and you've had you had him on your podcast in the past. But he uh, he's one of my favorite guys, especially sort of the chemistry they have on that broadcast. It's 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 always kind of comical to look at. He's always towering over his, his play by play partner. And I, as a person myself who sort of, you know, when I'm not thinking about it reflexively, I kind of look like I'm, I might be angry or I might be kind of, you know, grimacing or whatever. Uh, I, I enjoy watching Ken because he always just looks like he's very angry, but then all of a sudden you can just sort of tell that either the producer is telling it to him in his ear or he remembers that he's on TV. So he like gives this quick smile and I just think it's like the most endearing thing in the world. So I'm a huge, I'm a huge Ken fan. Yeah, me too. He's uh, it's funny to see them interact because mm. uh, on TV, Steve, Steve Cangelosi is the uh, play by play guy. Yes. He also does the uh, the Red Bulls in the MLS uh, for MSG. And he he's very like prepared. He is your, uh, you know, your prototypical play by play announcer has everything in line, has has pages and pages of notes. You know, all the things that they teach you to do in uh, in media school. Uh, Steve has it down to a T and he's like one of the most well prepared broadcasters you could meet and meanwhile dano just knows the team inside and out because he played with the team for what 20 plus years and one of those stanley cups and just knows the team right so mm. it's funny to see that dynamic because uh in fact w- the last interview we did with dano he was talking about that he's like yeah you know uh steve is always prepared and uh, you know it's always a joy to uh to, to work with him on the air and then we ask him so do you uh, how much do you hang out with him uh, off the air and dano's like never <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I imagine if they're not talking devils, they don't have much to uh, to talk about. <laughs> He's like, nah, I just relate to you know, I, I hang out. We hang out when we have like you know, hang out with the staff, getting a drink after the game or whatever it is. But it's just it was just funny the way he responded so quickly. He's like, never. <laughs> mm. Well, I'm gonna work my. You know what? People ask Dimitri, what are your what are your ambitions? What are your goals? What do you want to achieve in this industry? And uh, my new answer is uh, becoming texting buddies with Ken Danico. Yes. And we will make that happen when you make your next trip to New York City. And I pitch you to be on the uh, one of the devil's broadcasts. Uh, and you take my job as the analytics guy because you really <laughs> should. I was actually very happy. Actually, I saw that on social media, uh, a picture of you and, and Uncle Jeffy there yep. on uh, on Hockey Central. I was like, yes, it's about freaking time. Like, come on, get this guy on TV more, please. Yeah, yes. I, I mean, it's been it's been a blast. We've done uh, the past couple Fridays and hopefully that's going to be a recurring thing. So I'm looking forward to that. And obviously, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about TV here in a second, but it's uh, it's a completely different animal. And having someone like Jeff Merrick guide you through it is uh, is a pretty good start. Um, let's take a quick little break here to hear from a sponsor. And we're going to talk more about the media game and TV and broadcasting and all that good stuff on the other side. Anyone can develop high blood pressure. Fact, 7.5 million Canadians live with hypertension every day. The mission of Get Down BP is to bring everyone together with the goal of getting blood pressure down in a fun and interactive way. So join the community at getdownbp.ca to learn more. Because getting blood pressure down has never felt so good. A community-based initiative fueled by one of Canada's leading pharmaceutical research-based companies in collaboration with Hypertension Canada. It's the holiday season, which means that you might be one of the many people that's scrambling last minute to try and get a meaningful gift for those you hold near and dear. For myself personally, I've gotten to the point where I prefer getting and giving personalized gifts that you can share with the people you love, rather than some material item that you'll just wind up putting to the side and forgetting about. Like tickets to a game, concert, or comedy show. Because nothing beats having a fun night out with good company, where you're having a blast and creating new memories you'll share together moving forward. A perk of going that route is that you can get said gift in just a couple taps on your phone in a matter of seconds, not having to walk around malls that are crawling with people running around trying to buy those last-minute gifts. So here's what you do. You download the SeatGeek app, you pick the event you'd like to attend, and you let them do all the work. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, saving you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to make sure you're getting your best bang for your buck, they'll also grade every ticket available based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit your budget. And you can rest easy knowing that you'll be getting exactly what you're paying for, fully guaranteed. 
While you're there, make sure to tell them your friends over the PDO cast sent you by using the promo code PDO. And by doing so, you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, which should come in handy with all the money you'll be shelling out during the holiday season. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Arda. Um, this is the part of the show, and I know people enjoy this quite a bit because obviously, I feel like I have... You know, I have a very vast demographic, but I also have a pretty significant portion of my listeners and followers who are, you know, similarly like-minded, um, younger individuals who are hoping to one day crack and burst through into this industry and, and do similar stuff to what we're doing. So I think they always appreciate kind of hearing, because everyone has a different career path and how they got to this point and, you know, stuff they had to do and, 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 and hoops they had to jump through and all that. So, and I, I think you're the perfect person to have this discussion with because, um, before you, you, you were on the MSG hockey show. I mean, you, you've done a million different things and you took a very unique path to getting there. So I think it'd be a fun conversation for us to have. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in a nutshell, basically, uh, I did what, uh, the likes of Jeff Merrick and Jackie Redmond did to become successful in hockey. And that is start off and become successful in professional wrestling. Mm. And that's the key. If you want to be big in hockey, be big in pro wrestling it's, first it's, it's and then make simple. your way to hockey. <laughs> that's it. That's the, that's the secret folks. You don't got to go to school. Don't have to do anything else. Just, just, just become a big uh, WWE analyst, and then you'll just yeah, make you, your you way to hockey. stuff for like the Weather Network too, stuff, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, you've you've been everywhere. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So this is the thing is that like, uh, so I, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> even before that, I was doing a lot of hockey too. Is unfortunately Twitter didn't exist at that time, so I couldn't build up my hockey uh, Twitter base when I was uh, doing stuff with the OHL and the AHL. But yeah, I did that for several years. I mean, really, how I got into the industry, honestly, I don't have a degree in broadcasting. Uh, I am one of those people that I will openly say that you don't need a degree in broadcasting or media or journal uh well journalism maybe so if you want to be uh you know a hardline journalist but to be in television i don't think you need a degree that pertains to television it can certainly give you an edge but it is not an essential requirement to the job how i got into the industry dimitri honestly i just volunteered and i paid dues and i interned i worked for free uh it's not the most desirable route uh but it worked for me and I went the Rogers TV route. So after going to university, I went to the University of Waterloo. I grew up in Toronto. Uh, I caught the bug at university by working at the local campus radio station. And honestly, there, I just, you know, organized tapes and whatever and, and did some sports updates and whatnot. And then when I graduated, I had a normal job. I was a project manager for a few years. But then nights and weekends, I went to the local Rogers TV station in Peel Region in Mississauga. And I basically went there and I said, hey, I want to learn everything there is to learn about television. Uh, what can I uh, provide in exchange for that. I mean, I knew they weren't going to pay me, but I needed to give them a value. And they said, do you have a driver's license? I said, yes. They said, okay, well, why don't you drive the community cruiser van to events? Right. And I said, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll wake up at Sunday at, at, at you know, 5 a.m., grab the van and go to the local 5K charity run and set up the, the spinning wheel that kids can spin. And then it lands on the pen and I give them a Rogers TV pen. And I did that for two or three years. Uh, and, and I was fine with it because then I got to go and shadow all the the producers, the directors, audio, video, floor directors, the hosts, the station manager even. I mean, I was able to get an education in the real world. Uh, and I found that to be invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's uh, it, you never really know what opportunity is going to be the one that, uh, that helps you kind of get your foot in the door. I mean, I've I actually told you this story when we reconnected or i guess connected for the first time was it maybe a year ago now and you hadn't uh really remembered it which is totally fine but um i'm gonna say it again here for our listeners just because if, if they haven't heard it but you know <laughs> okay. back in the day and this was i'd say maybe like 2010 or so so it's been quite a while um I was sort of trying to figure out, I was a university student. I was trying to figure out, um, you know, how I'd get into this industry, how I, I knew that I kind of wanted to talk about sports and random stuff. And, um, at the time podcasts weren't that huge, but I always thought they were kind of a cool thing to do because I obviously didn't have access to like a radio station or a radio show or anything. So I had to kind of just do my own thing. And, um, uh, my best friend and I would get together and we'd record these podcasts where we talked about all sorts of stuff, whether it was, you know, NHL stuff. I mean, the Canucks were really good at the time and being locals here in Vancouver, that kind of helped. And, and, you know, we talk about CFL and we talk about wrestling. And I remember, um, 
you know, you were pretty active on Twitter at the time with all the wrestling stuff. And we we're, I think like a WrestleMania or something was coming up and we we're like, Hey, let's see if we can uh, get a guest on this show. Maybe, maybe Arda will do it. And we reached out to you and I, I think we had like maybe like 10 followers on Twitter at the time. And you had, I'd say like 50,000 or something like that. And, and you sure enough responded and you came on our show and it was super cool. And, you know, I imagine literally no one listened other than like our, our moms, but it was still, you know, a good sort of, we got some reps under our belt and it was, uh, I just, I love the adrenaline rush of recording a pod- podcast with you. And I thought, man, this would be such a cool thing to keep doing full time. And I just kind of kept doing it until it eventually paid off and, and, and I broke through. So I don't know, that's, uh, that's sort of my story about how I got into the industry. I love that I did. I feel like such a loser for not remembering. I mean, that. <laughs> so fun. like how many interviews would I possibly have done that I wouldn't have remembered doing? And, and the best part of the story is, and you reminded mm. me of this too, was about at the like hour and forty five minute mark. I finally stop and say, "So what yeah, is this yeah, for yeah. again?" Yeah, no, we record. We, we were talking for like the longest time. Yeah, it was. It was honestly like it was approaching two hours or something, which is ridiculous. And we're doing it, and then you're like, "Yeah, so uh, w- where is this going? Like, can you can you you, uh, can you tell me more about it? And I was like, um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a <laughs> local independent website. It's, <laughs> uh, I can't guarantee we're going to have a lot of people checking it out, but, uh, I'm sure they're going to enjoy it. And you're like, all right, that's cool. Whatever, man. And, and yeah, I mean, it was, listen, I, I definitely, um, kind of am trying to, um, help out in, in my own way now that I have a bit more of a following myself because, uh, and I get cons, I get people asking if I can come on their show or if I can help them in any way. And, you know, the fact that you took the time while you were already in the industry to do something like that was huge for someone trying to just learn the ropes and, 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 and get in there themselves. And obviously it's, it's very easy for you to just ignore that message or not, not help out, but it goes a long way if you do. Yeah, it's all good vibes. And uh, hey, you repaid the favor when I launched a podcast on MSG. You came on and we did a whole analytics mm. 101, which yeah, is you awesome. Yeah, you had me, you I had Danico on. So. I mean, you know, all the all, all, all the usuals. Yes. All the luminaries. I'm, I'm just creating <laughs> best friends is what I'm trying to do. Great <laughs> BFFs. Actually, you know what? Uh, speaking of people that have been on this podcast, uh, I, I haven't mm. told this story before. Uh, so... Uh, Uncle Jeff actually uh, has helped me in my career too. So I was at a crossroads probably, I want to say 2009. Uh, I was like at Rogers TV. I'd put a lot of years in. By then, I had done a few years of when they still were the, in Brampton, uh, the battalion with the OHL. So I saw a lot. I saw a lot. Of, I saw like Matt Duchesne and Cody Hodgson and Wojtek Wolski come through there. That was like the era in which I was calling games. That was a little bit later, but. Those were the names that I definitely remember right. doing games of uh, with the battalion. And then uh, as well as the AHL after that with the uh, with the Marlies and whatnot. But I had a little bit of a crossroads. So at one point, uh, I you know, it's it's feast or famine. Right. So uh, after years of trying to find uh, a, an opportunity, one finally came my way uh, in Winnipeg uh, at a Kojiko. It was going to be a paid position as a sports reporter. Uh, and literally the next day. I got a call from uh, what was then the Score Television Network uh, on their hardcore sports radio. They had a serious radio station for a long time. And they said, uh, you can join us as a, as a uh, sort of like a full-time intern, but like a, leading to a part-time position. But it wasn't guaranteed. Right. It was one of those kind of things. And so I didn't know who to reach out to. I, I didn't really have many mentors at the time. So I literally cold uh, added Merrick to Facebook. I was like, I look up to this guy. He has a very similar uh, path, a career path to me. Like he was very successful in the wrestling space. He moved on to the hockey space. Uh, I admired what he had done. So I literally just added him to Facebook and he accepted my friend request. And I just, I sent him a message. Like I didn't know how else to reach him. So I sent him a message and I said, hey man, like this is the, uh, this is what I'm dealing with. Uh, You've been in the industry a long time. Do you have any advice for me? Like what, what should I do? And uh, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically, uh, said, you know, that's a tough decision, but you know, uh, make sure that you don't regret the decision. And also, uh, you know, if you stay in this market, uh, anything can happen, uh, basically something along those lines. And so that's why I made the decision not to take the job in Winnipeg and continue on here. Uh, and mm. it did work out for me. So, uh, but like just the fact, like just going back to like giving back, right? Like he didn't have to, first of all, who's this random person <laughs> adding on Facebook? Right. And second of all, then he goes so far as to respond to a message hey, like, yeah, that's that, why he's I'll a cool uncle because he provides sage advice like that. 
Mm. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And all the uh, dad yes. jokes that he has yes. on the podcast. Uh, that he does. There's a lot of them. Um, so, <laughs> you know, one final thing I did want to talk about you with is, um, how do we like? How do we improve some of these broadcasts? And in terms of, you know, I, I feel like you, you have quite a bit of fun with it. And, you know, obviously, I mean, you're working in studio with former NHLers. So you sort of, you have to kind of craftily speak their language and you can't just start, you know, throwing uh, numbers and facts at them. And, 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 you know, cause it's just gonna go over your head. And as soon as you start talking to a hockey person about Corsi and Fenwick, you, you can like visibly see their eyes glaze over and roll in the back of their head. So like, how do we, how do we have more intelligent conversations while also, you know, keeping them entertaining, of course, but, you know, there's helping the people who are watching at home learn more about the sport and the product and uh, trying to adapt and, and while, you know, telling a better story. So basically putting it all together. The number one thing that I would say, and I make sure to follow this every single time, is is the language. And I'm going to bring this back to WWE. So I worked at WWE for a couple of years as an announcer. And one of the first things that I learned was there's actually a list of, I guess, banned words, so to speak. Words that you don't say on the air and there are replacements. For example, it's not a feud, mm. it's a rivalry. It's not a, it's not a belt, yes. it's a title. A belt mm-hmm. is what holds up your pants. Right. Like things like that. So there are certain things. It's not pro wrestling. It's sports entertainment. Anybody who's a wrestling fan probably knows a lot of these sort of terms that there are different words to use. And the reason that is, is because, yes, though the hardcore 10 percent audience know these terms and even use them in conversation with the other 10 percent, the other 90 percent don't talk like that. Even if they are fans of the product, they don't talk like that. And so the product that's being presented to them is to cater to as wide an audience as possible. And so I never I I do my best not to use the terms Corsi, Fenwick, PDO uh, when I'm on a broadcast because that is for everyone watching. So I will say puck possession. I will I will use synonyms that are more easily digestible. I think that's the number the first thing. Unless you're doing a whole education for these terms. If you if 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 the edict from the station is we want Corsi to be a thing that everybody says, yeah, but then no there's one, no way, there's no way that's going to happen. But to me, <laughs> that's no way that's going to happen. So to me, it's it's softening the there's the, as a t- one of the biggest jobs of a broadcaster is just saying the same thing 10 or 15 right. different ways literally so so once you're on television you have different sentences in your head that essentially get the same point across so you should be able to say well uh you know uh, sammy vatnin's corsi was 62 percent in in his game against the anaheim ducks the best since joining the devils well i don't need to use the term corsi there i can find a different right. way to say that Right. So like things like that, little things like that, I think, is is certainly a starting point in terms of better presenting the analytics. And I and I like the visual component. That's my second point is I I use the heat maps because I like I think predominantly people are visual learners and they like to see uh, a presentation. So when you use heat maps, I feel, for example, is able to tell a story. I I, I can tell them, hey, the New Jersey Devils uh, have given up their most goals this season between the hash marks and inside the circles Mm -hmm. on the same parallel. Uh, and, and, and I can show you that from several games. Here's examples, five on five uh, for right. several games. Yeah. So, like, I, I find that to be beneficial, and I think that that no, resonates I, the I most. I completely agree with that. I mean, it also help, you know, if you have the, the luxury or the benefit of stretching it out and actually having, like, a full show as opposed to doing these sort of two- to three-minute quick hits where it's, like, there's only so much... Uh, you can jam into that and it always feels like it's a race against time and you have the producer yelling in your ear, counting down and all of a sudden before you know it, it's over. And it's like, you, there's only so much you can say and you got to kind of try to make the most of it. And a lot of it like, gets left on the cutting room floor. So if, you know, if there was more time to do it, maybe you could do more with it as well. But that, that, that's the thing. It's like it's almost as if when you are on TV, Dimitri, right, like you have established yourself on Twitter and, and, in, and in the hockey community as an expert uh, in the analytics field. People look to you, they follow you on Twitter and they read your stuff on Sportsnet and they, they are consuming your content. But when you are on TV, it's almost like it's an advertisement for all of the work that you do. You know what I mean? Because it's such a short amount of time. So you have no choice but right. to talk in sound bites because that's how people consume television. So you will only give maybe your one or two 
biggest nuggets mm. of information. And you will find a very interesting way to say them. You know, what 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 analytics should we uh, look for uh, here in this game? And you will have one thing prepared and you will find a nice way to say it. And it will take 10 seconds. But then somebody will look at you on TV and say, wow, that was really informative and not like something I've heard before. I'm going to go find this guy on Twitter and I'm right. going to go read his stuff. But I will say, like, you know, I, I love taking stuff from different sports and seeing how they're doing and, and trying to bring it into hockey. And if I ever have any say in this regard or any poll, I'm one thing I'm going to definitely try to do is have more hockey shows um on tv or whether it's even you know streaming on the internet or whatever that are more kind of casual just like a half hour sit down where people are just talking about the sport and random trends and topics and observations i mean like you had you had this at the score when you were doing uh, aftermath for example and you see it nba nfl baseball like they, they all have these sort of studio shows which are much more kind of comfortable and relaxed and people just talking about sports and for whatever reason it seems like the NHL as a whole doesn't have too much of that. And I feel like that's something that could really bring more fans in and become more relatable as well. Well, I think that's why I'm yes. really proud of the yeah. MSG Hockey Show because I find I, I find it as a low barrier to entry for anybody. We often come mm. on after Knicks games, actually live. And in fact, the last show that we did, uh, we came on after a Knicks game, and the first conversation was, "Hey, uh, if you've never watched a hockey game before, we're gonna uh, tell you what we love about hockey the most to entice you to maybe catch a Rangers game or a Devils game uh, coming forward." But on that show, we debate topics. Like, I mean, the, what else did we do on that show? We did, uh, shout out to Wyshynski, we did Jersey Fouls, right? Like uh, Marc-Andre Fleury came back to Pittsburgh uh, and somebody had a split jersey of Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury on the same jersey. Mm. It was a Murray. And so we we're like, what, what, what do we think about this? Well, is this acceptable or is it not acceptable? And then we just had a whole conversation I mean, about that. Was there a conversation to be had about it? That's despicable. That's psychotic behavior. I think that's completely unacceptable. <laughs> unacceptable? Are you kidding me? That that's no. craftsmanship. He went to great lengths to put together that jersey. You got to commend a man like that. No, you're no, you're on the you're on the no train on huh? watch list or something. That is that is that is that is dangerous behavior. Wow. Well, not only there and we so go. I guess conversations, conversations like that. Right about it. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing, right? And and people can relate to that because a everyone either owns a jersey or, or, or can contribute to that conversation. And I think that's those sort of entry points on a show like our ours is what makes it what uh, is what makes people want to watch because if we were to put advanced analytics on a show like that, we would either have to be very creative with it and make sure that it, it's it's easily digestible to the audience, especially right, in a but format someone like who that. listens to this podcast. Wouldn't you say that uh, we do a decent job at that where it's like you, you can kind of tell that a lot of what's going on in the conversations that are being had are coming from a place where, you know, me and my guest have put in the work and put in the time and looked at all the stuff and evaluated it. And we're coming from, um, you know, making logical conclusions based off of it, but we're not like, I don't open up an Excel spreadsheet and just cite off numbers. Like it's, it's, you can have a conversation about this stuff while also keeping it entertaining. I feel like. And I think mm. that that day is coming. I mean, I, I feel like you would be able to and, and you'd be able to make it funny, too. You'd be able to add humor there. I think humor is yes. the great diffuser. If you were if you literally like just even even being very self-aware, suddenly you put on a pair of glasses and you open up the laptop and you're looking through the spreadsheet. But then you have like incredible facts that are like really, really like you can really sink your teeth in them. I think that like to me that that screams winner. I would need the incredible facts part first to make that happen, though. I, I, I definitely have the glasses. <laughs> In fact, I already do wear them on TV, and I have a laptop. I'm, I'm using it right now to record this podcast, but I need the, I need the incredible facts first. Yes, I, I think that could be your gimmick. You can you can have like a catchphrase that you use getting into the uh, that's it. That's all you need, Dimitri is a catchphrase. Anyone listening to the PDO cast right now, please suggest Dimitri or maybe you got to uh, use regressing to the mean on TV and just get it I over. Found my catchphrase. Like How's it going, man? My uh, my, my sign in. My oh, sign come on. In. That's 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 too basic. That's basic. Yeah, man. Come on. Can. You can do better. Right, than we'll that. workshop that. Um, Arda, plug some stuff. Where can uh, <laughs> where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Check out your work. All that good stuff. 
Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, I, I'm on the MSG Hockey Show. You can find clips online. If you happen to watch a New Jersey Devils broadcast on Game Center and you happen to see me, feel free to say hello. I'm on Twitter at ArtoCalTV. And uh, please please tell me how I did on the PDO cast because I have to say, uh, I listen every week. I'm a big fan of the guests that you bring and, of course, of you, Dimitri. So I really appreciate you having scary, me on. Right? That was a conversation more so than an interview. Oh yeah, no, you're you're a buddy, so it's 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 very very easy. I need mm. you to come back to New York City though. Okay, we'll uh, make please, so, we'll, we'll make something happen at some um, point. And in the meantime, yeah, send in all requ- all uh, all kind of tips or whatever for uh, for a new catchphrase from me, and we'll uh, we'll work on that as well. In the meantime, and uh, Arda, it was a blast, and let's chat soon. Yes, thank you. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey